book of Proverbs teaches us that just as iron can sharpen iron, so one man can also sharpen another. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Cattle Pros. I'm your host, Jake Scott. I've noticed something as I've watched social media this summer. I've had more pictures come across my feed of friends and acquaintances who have gotten saved and have gotten baptized. What I mean by that is people who are coming to the Christian faith in big numbers, more than I've ever seen. This is a crazy year, 2020. Maybe there's something about it that's waking people up, and I wanted to do an episode about it. To do that, I'm welcoming to the show today one of my friends who's maybe done as good a job as walking through their life without compromising faith or their integrity or their principles as anyone I've ever seen, including myself. It's a pleasure to welcome to today's show Mr. Clay Williams from South Carolina. Clay's going to tell us about how he navigated everything from the turbulent waters of the teenage years into his early 20s, now into his professional career, without compromising his faith. It's a pretty deep conversation, but one that I think you're going to enjoy and one that I think is really relative, considering how many changes people are making in their lives. It's a special episode today, and I hope you really enjoy our conversation with Clay Williams. Well, we do want to welcome you to the Cattle Pros Podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in. We hope you are uh, enjoying these episodes. We're having a blast doing them, I've got to tell you. And I hope that we're getting a little better all the time, uh, not only with our content, but also some of the technical stuff, uh, working on sound quality, and we're learning as we go. So uh, your patience is greatly appreciated as we are figuring this out, but we are having a total blast doing it, and this is going to be no exception today. Uh, I want to introduce you to a guy that I consider really one of my close friends. It's somebody that I've known for a long, long time. And I think this could turn out to be really one of the most powerful episodes of Cattle Pros that we've recorded so far. And um, it's a pleasure to introduce you to the pride of Bishop Georgia, <laughs> Mr. Clay Williams. Clay, thanks for coming on here with us, man. How are you doing today? Thank you for, thank you for having me. I, I'm, I'm, I love giving Bishop a shout out up front. Yep, I, I take pride in little Bishop, so thank you for, for calling it out there. I, I'd be surprised if we get any Bishop listeners, listeners, but uh, uh, thanks for shouting it out. Clay, we're far, we're far reaching. You have no idea. There's probably half the towns <laughs> tuning in for this, but I guess I'm selling you short already. I <laughs> but now Clay lives uh, in Greenville, North Carolina. South Carolina. South. I'm sorry, South Carolina, yeah. uh, with his wife Emily. And uh, congratulations, by the way, a little early, but I think you two are getting ready to celebrate one year of marriage. Is that right? That's right. It feels like just yesterday. It uh, does so feel like yesterday. It, it has flown by, but it has been great. It has uh, been one of the best years of my life. So uh, we are excited to celebrate it. August 17th will be one year. August 17th. Well, yeah. I, I told you and Emily this, but I'll, I'll say it again for everyone to hear. Absolutely one of the best weddings, including my own, by the way, but one of the best weddings I've ever been to in my life. I thought that uh, it just captured your personality, and, and of course, I didn't know Emily as well as I knew you, but from what I knew about Emily and her family, just it was so 
you, and I'm saying you in a plural tense like you guys, but it just was a perfect, perfect ceremony, beautiful location, and uh, we were just so happy to be down there and, and be on the seats and see that happen. So congratulations again in advance on your anniversary. That's high praise. I tell you what made the night was when you got out there on the middle of the dance yeah. floor and ripped your shirt off. Yes. I was, I was, I was amazed at the passion you had. Remember when I slung it over my head? Yes. Yeah, threw it to the yes. crowd. Yep. No. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. I, I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> so are you guys going to do anything cool for your first anniversary? You got a trip planned? You going anywhere? Yep. So we are... Uh, we're going to head west. We were Initially, we were going to head up to uh, New England and do a little trip up there, but uh, with COVID and everything, that became a difficulty uh, with some of the regulations that they've got in place up there. So we are headed, uh, we're going to fly into Salt Lake, and we're going to work our way up through uh, Wyoming, and probably spend the great majority of the time in Montana, uh, and kind of maybe, I'm a, I like to fly fish, I'm not very good at it, but maybe oh, try to find a few streams to fly fish. Uh, find a few farmers markets for Emily and a cup of coffee. So Clay, I've never fly done fly fishing either, but looking at it, that looks extremely fun. Have you done that before, or this will be your first time? No, I've done it. I've done it a few times, and, and surprisingly, Greenville uh, is right here in the foothills, and so it's pretty easy to get up into some mountain streams. Okay, and there's some pretty good trout fishing uh, streams here in the area. So yeah, it's a I do it a fair amount. Well, you get really good at that, and then you can teach me. Would that be okay? Yep, we can do that. And I know you guys are working on a fixer-upper. You guys have bought your first home. Is that right? That's right. Bought a house back in January. And uh, I tell you, it, it kind of played out. I know everybody has really hated 2020 so far, but it has <laughs> been outstanding for us. It's not all been bad, has it? That's right. We've we've really tackled this house and, and got a lot done, redid the kitchen, and a lot of painting and some other things here and there. Yard is the next one to tackle. Uh, but uh, it, it has been a blessing to be in the uh, kind of told to keep home or stay home yeah. uh, and not get out on the road near as much. So it's, yeah. it's allowed me to free up. Uh, because in your job, excuse me, and in your job, I think, tell me, uh, you're five or six years now into yep. – it was six years in June, that's right. Six yeah. years into June uh, in sales in the cattle business and specifically kind of in the chemical side of things, working with a lot of pasture management and forage management. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit more, but certainly you've had a, a, a great start to your uh, professional career in the cattle business with sales. And uh, I know you guys, uh, we've talked a little bit about that. I know you really enjoy what you're doing. That's right. Yep, yep. And, and I know we'll touch on that later, so I won't get too deep into it. But yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. So. Well, we'll get into Clay's background, like you said, a little bit more. But listen, I want to tell you, listeners, if you are a young person who have tuned into this episode, man, I want you to stay with us till the end. There's going to be some pretty powerful and pretty inspirational stuff that you can take out of this particular podcast. And it's one reason I'm so fired up about this episode. But if you're an adult, Stay with us as well, especially if you're a parent. Um, I think in this episode, you're really going to pick up some insights uh, that you can take back and use uh, at home to help with the kids and especially help them as we raise those kids and we think about the future that they're going to inherit from us and uh, be able to prepare them for that so that they can successfully navigate their ways 
through that. You know, we all think back to what our lives were like if you're an adult, as an adolescent and a teenager in the high school years and the college years. Um, it, it was a bumpy road for some of us, let's be honest. But uh, also being honest, I think for the next generation coming up, I've got two little daughters, uh, uh, six years old and nine years old now. And, you know, as I think about what it's going to be like for them going through high school and college. I got to tell you, old, old dad worries about that a little bit. And, <laughs> but I know they're going to handle it as long as we handle it and prepare them correctly. Oh, and, they'll be fine. And that's yeah, going to be what this episode's about. So, Clay, let's dig in here and let's start talking about a little bit of your, your professional background. Now, I know you grew up uh, on a registered Angus farm. Your mom and dad uh, had an operation there. How did you guys get started in the Angus business, Clay? So we got started in the Angus business. Uh, Dad, actually, uh, my grandfather, he worked for uh, he worked for John Deere for 35 years. Uh, spent his whole entire professional career with John Deere, and uh, mm-hmm. oh, so he had a passion for agriculture. Our family, uh, he bought a Angus or not an Angus, a uh, Hereford steer uh, for my 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 uncle, my dad's oldest uh, sibling, and had a Hereford steer. Went on with that for a while and. Dad was really the one that had a passion for it, and as Dad became more passionate about it, they found themselves uh, buying Angus uh, Angus stock, and and the continued to grow and continue to be passionate. And Dad put his roots in the Angus breed, uh, and then I was just born there into uh, into what it is a great group of, uh, of cattle and a great group of people uh, that, that make up the Angus Association. Uh, and so that's how I got into it was it was by genetics. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, I guess that would make you the third generation then. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome. Third generation. Yeah. The, the generational part of it, I think, is one of the coolest parts about the cattle business, and especially the production side of it. You know, the the cow calf side of it, the family ranches, and I think it's awesome that you guys have been able to keep that going. And and I know that's something that's special to you too, but. Certainly, that's just kind of where your story in the Angus business began. And like a lot of people who grew up on a farm or ranch, showing was kind of a natural activity for you to take up, and that's something you got involved with, right? That's right. So I, I, Dad, like I said, had a passion for the show industry and just Angus cattle. And, and growing up, I was always hopping in the truck with him, uh, whether it be originally where I was born in Snellville, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half uh, from Bishop, okay. uh, where our farm was. Uh-huh. And, and we had the farm the entire time that I was alive, but we didn't live on it until I was in about uh, fifth grade. Okay. And and so there'd be days that I'd hop in the truck and go with Dad over to Bishop, or, or Dad was always going to shows, and I was hopping in the truck. And so always saw it, always knew showing was going on, and just always wanted to do it, uh, and I think it drove Dad crazy going to shows uh, with me because that was my lone hotel experience as a young kid. And, and I know he was he was telling this story the other day. His mom would get aggravated because she would call the hotel up four cell phones and she would say, "Where's Where's Clay at?" And he said, "I don't know, playing with the room key somewhere." Because I love swiping that room key. But anyways, just those just those little trips to the state show or. Uh, We'd go. There's a little show in South Carolina. We'd go to every once in a while, and and I wasn't young or old enough to show yet, but I'd jump into those and just I, I was always around them. And so when the opportunity came about, uh, got the uh, first half of it was from Randy Daniel, Parks uh-huh. Over Ranch. Sure. Dad and Mr. Randy grew up 
running around clipping cattle and working cells together and are, are extremely close. And so got our first heifer from, uh, from Mr. Randy and we named her first chance. Yeah. And, and first chance stuck around for a long time, but I'll tell you, first chance never got shown. Uh Oh, <laughs> couldn't get her dead broke enough. Uh, she was a little people. rowdy. That's right. And so, uh, the actual, the first heifer I ever showed was in Hutchinson, Kansas at Galeby Junior Nationals. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, dad's, a. uh, Mr. Randy's boy Buck, and then uh, Dad's other buddy Larry Haddon. They all his boy was aging out, and so it's Buck and uh, forgive me, I can't remember Mr. Larry's son's name, but uh, they were aging out, and Dad wanted to get one career started as two careers ended. And oh, so, neat! And so my first show was there in Hutchinson, Kansas, and the first time I walked in the ring, I had my Gelby calf. She had uh, she had some her ear was slit from. Faulty ear tech, mm. so we called her Split, mm. and uh, and Split was in heat that day, oh, <laughs> my gosh. first time in the ring, and uh, and I don't know if, if her front feet will ever touch the ground. Oh no! We walked around. Oh no! And, but uh, but I, I I I still had a passion for it and enjoyed it, and and what a career it built up to be, and I'll I'll never trade any of that experience whatsoever for. I'm thankful that I got, I mean, it was right quick after that Gelby heifer, but we got right back to Angus. I think that was kind of a one-year thing. Dad said, well, we'll do this Gelby. Jumped right back to Angus, and uh, and the rest is history. Well, you know, that's a rough start, right? You know, one heifer that was a little too rowdy to get settled in and get through the ring, yeah. and then a, another heifer that uh, we had the same experience this year with our daughter at her second show that she went to. A heifer that she shows that is just, dog gentle, super broke. She happened to be in heat the day of the show and she was just a totally different animal. And that is, that's no fun. I don't care if you're a little kid, big kid. I I had trouble leading her around. I mean, she was just not a happy camper that day. And, uh, but thankfully you didn't give up on that and, and you stuck with it because boy, our paths crossed somewhere along the way. And, you know, I was trying to think about exactly when that was. Um, I was in Oklahoma at uh, an operation called the Rolling R3 Ranch. My wife and I had been married just a few years. And uh, somewhere along the way, your dad and I had a chance to meet and start a relationship that led to you guys buying a few show heifers from us, but more importantly, led to kind of a a really cool friendship that uh, has kept going between all of us um, since then. But you know, the, the cool part of that story, I think, the culmination maybe of your, your showing career, didn't have anything to do with a banner, uh, but you became a member of the Junior Board of Directors for the National Junior Angus Association. That's right. Some people think I won the Masters. Uh, because of the green jacket. Golf. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that good at golf. But, yes, yep, so was on the Junior Board, and uh, that too, you know, it, it's like you said, I those last two years of my junior career, I think I spent more time focusing on my junior board activities uh-huh. than I did showing. Um, but that what an experience, uh, and I and I would recommend anybody, uh, any junior, and I don't care what breed of cattle you're showing or what association, and it doesn't even have to be cattle. Uh, I know I know other uh, species have the same uh, deal, and I would recommend try it, go for it. Uh, just the opportunity to, to I mean, the opportunity to meet so many people uh, through that uh, position that I held was outstanding. I mean, it was 
it really was a lot of fun. Just, you know, you put that green jacket on and you walk around the barns and it opens up a conversation for anybody that you want to talk to. You're almost an ambassador. I mean, you're a leader of those juniors, but you're, you're a breed ambassador in many ways for a lot of these kids. It was, it really was a pleasure. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was a lot of pride in getting that position at, at the beginning of it. But looking back on it, it was an honor. It really was an honor to, to hold that. And the friends that I made on the board, the people I talk to every day, uh, and then some of the, the breeders, some of the parents of juniors, and then juniors themselves, uh, those are relationships that, that I take a lot deeper than a lot of people I know from, from growing up in school. You know, those are people that right. we have so much similarities that uh, it's, it's hard not to, to keep up with one another and to enjoy uh, the successes that other are having. So, yeah, well, I, and I did. I, I mean, I know that it's there's there's a lot of prestige and, and honor, and certainly it is an honor to be on it. But let's face it, there's a lot of work involved with that. I mean, you guys are crazy busy on top of a of a normal school schedule because then you were in college, and uh, that's a two year commitment, isn't it? That's right. So it's a two year commitment. You, you'll get elected in a group of six. Uh, when you get on there you're the new six and then you have the old six. And so you rotate off or the old six will rotate off and you become the old six. Um, and have a new six come on. Uh-huh. And, and so, like you said, it's, it, it is a lot of work, but you know, you're at that age that you're going to bed at midnight anyways. And so you find <laughs> a way and you get it done. Uh, and, and there's, I cannot looking back at that. I cannot think of one time, and I said, man, I, I, I wish I would have done that different with that. Or, or, there was none of that. It was all awesome, and, and I truly did enjoy every second of that and the relationships. I, with all of it, the relationships are the biggest thing that I got out of that. That is far and away the best thing that came of, of my time with not only the junior board but the National Junior Angus Association. Can't, can't tout that enough there. Have you ever spoken to someone who said, you know, I really wish – I wouldn't have become a junior board member. I, I cannot think of that. And so kind of to tell you one thing, a side story here is so when I was, uh, when I was in college, I had just finished up with the junior board. Um, and I had, you know, like you said, it ate up a lot of our time and there was an organization on, on, on campus that had asked uh, for my membership and, and I said, you know what? Like I, I've just, I've had, I've been so busy. I just want to kind of be, for a little bit. I want to be a regular college kid. Uh, and I talked to another one of those kids that, that was asked to be in that same group uh, later on that semester. And I said, how's it going? He said, Clay, you know, I think you made the right decision. And what does that speak to of an organization? You know, I mean that that somebody is kind of regretting their decision as they go through it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, but, and that's not to knock that. I'm sure somebody listening to that will know which group I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to knock that group at all, but it's sure. you know, I, to your question. Uh, I, I don't know a single person that has ever said that was a bad experience or, or that was just an okay experience. Everybody I know has loved their days of wearing the green coat. Yeah. Who were you on the board with? I know, uh, that was a good group that come through there that year, if I remember who all was on the board with you. Oh man, there was well. If if we're talking strictly about my six, you had uh, 
He had Austin Brandt from Iowa. Mm-hmm. He had Lindsey Grimes, which is now Lindsey Hall from Ohio. Mm-hmm. He had Shane Clary from Virginia. He had Alicia Nord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you had uh, Garrett Kniebel. Okay. That is, that's all of us. Um, and we had, we had a good group that was already there ahead of us. We had a good group that followed up behind us. Uh, and I tell you, I, I lose track a lot of times because so many of us stay in touch. I, there's some that I'm like, oh, yeah, they were on the board with me. We didn't even overlap some of them, right? But you, you get lost in it. But uh, there's a lot of good people have held those positions. Who was the leader at that time? Was it Jacqueline Upperman or? No, so actually Jacqueline Upperman was uh, one of the old six when I was coming on as a new six. I didn't realize that. Yep, so Jacqueline was on uh, was on the right as I came on, but Robin Ruff was. Robin was. Yes, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed Robin. Uh, Robin was great to me. I, I, I don't keep up with her enough. If she's listening, hey, Rob. <laughs> and if Jacqueline's listening, we're going to get you on the podcast too because that's awesome that that came full yep. circle that you're now with the association as the yep. as a junior leader. I'm not sure what her exact title is, but, but she's in charge of our junior programs there. So... You talked about college. You attended the University of Georgia in Athens. Go dogs! Oh, yeah. I'm glad we're getting that on the recording. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you who don't know, I'll, I'll give you a little peek behind the scenes. Clay and I have a pretty good back and forth about SEC football, and especially Georgia, who he's a big fan of, and the Alabama Crimson Tide, Roll Tide, who I'm a big fan of. And so that's that's really a fun part of our friendship is – during the fall, during football season, the texts oh, and the phone calls are, are... It's all year. Yeah, yeah, all year. It's fun, and that's that's one of the fun things about sports, that we can do that with our buddies. But what did you study at, uh, at the University of Georgia, Clay? So I went in, and going into college, I thought I wanted to be a large animal vet. And so I, I entered college thinking animal science uh, for my undergrad, and then I'd take it up the ladder. But I got in, and and saw what chemistry was going to do to me, and I said, you know, maybe I need to go another route. And so I went ag business. Was, uh, you know, I got a degree in ag business, uh, which is a, a pretty popular degree there uh, at Georgia, and uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Spent four years there uh, with the, in the ag school, and there's a lot of great people that come from that, and I interact. I probably interact with somebody from the ag school there at the University of Georgia every day. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that. Just like my time with uh, as a Green Code or Engineering Association, that's another great family, another great group to be a part of. And that led to your career now, and I'm going to butcher this, but is it Corteva? Corteva. Corteva. You are in sales now with the company Corteva, and tell us a little bit about what you do for those guys. All right, so I am uh, what we, my, my, per, my proper title is Range and Pasture Specialist. Uh-huh. And so I cover Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Okay. For us down in the southeast, I say Georgia and the Carolinas. Uh huh. Um, and if you're in North Carolina, you'll say North Carolina. But no, so I I, I work uh, with our range and pasture portfolio, uh, which is all herbicides. So I work with livestock producers, um, hay producers, but also work with our retail and our distribution side, and also our extension arm. Um, or the extension uh, with whether it be Georgia, South Carolina, or North Carolina. And it's more so just, you know, helping people understand uh, what they're, what's going on in their forage situation, 
uh, helping them grow grass because after all, we're all grass farmers. Yes, hundred uh, percent. We all like to preach, and so understanding how we can make the most of that. You know, uh, a lot of times down here, you know, agriculture is not king in a lot of these areas, and I get to interacting with a lot of people that aren't familiar with agriculture. I get talking about my position, and they say, well, Clay, what, explain to me what it is you do. And I, I don't understand what the need of that is. And so this is the analogy I always use, and I feel like you'll get a good chuckle out of this. As I say, all right, we're hosting a Super Bowl party. And everybody's there, and you put a platter of wings down on the table for everybody to have. Uh-huh. But it's got a big old part of that that plate of wings is taken up by celery. Who wants to eat that celery? <laughs> Nobody um. wants to eat that celery. And so we're losing steam. People aren't having as much fun. Things could be better, so we need to get that celery out of the way. We need to get more wings on that part of the plate. And that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting the, the weeds out of the way and allowing us more grass in our pastures. I picture I it so clearly now. <laughs> that is a great example. I love that. I'm going to steal it and pretend that it was my own. Is that okay? <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is. That's a very, very good way, especially in football country, right? Because you're in the heart that's of right. it. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. <clears throat> that's a little bit about Clay's background. And, and really the time Clay... And I spent together, the, the most time that we spent together was kind of in his teenage years and, and maybe through his early 20s. And we're going to pivot at this point in the podcast, and that's really the part of Clay's life that we want to, want to open up about and do a deep dive into and, and kind of show you guys and tell you guys a little bit about. Because if you're around young people, um, any of us have seen kids who who did a great job of handling that part of their life. And that's a, like we said, that's a difficult part of life, uh, adjusting to the ups and downs of high school, uh, the pressures and, and the challenges that come along with college, and then you know your young life when you're, you're struggling to figure out what you're going to do with your life and a career. And I don't know that I've seen another kid, who uh, a young man who handled it and did it as right and as well as Clay. And in this episode isn't at all about pumping up clay or, or bragging on clay, but it's giving you some insights as to how he did it. And uh, that's what makes Clay's story different from all the other stories that we've told. Because let's face it, up until this point, it's pretty normal. You know, you're raised on a, on a cattle operation, you, you show a little, you go to college. Uh, that's kind of all of us, uh, that story right there. But what comes next is what's unusual and and that's what we want to dive into now so Clay you shared a story on social media on LinkedIn or something the other day that was just awesome and I want to ask you the question that you were asked and you tell the story I just want to set it up tell us in your words who is Clay Williams so Clay Williams is uh, I'll answer that question just the same so Clay Williams is a Christian is passionate about agriculture and uh, loves his family loves where he's from uh, and lives every day in, the, in that form and fashion. Uh, and I can get deeper into it. I, I, I know that's, uh, to kind of answer the question on the story there is, is that's, you know, a lot of, to kind of jump ahead is a lot of people get asked that question and they start talking about their job. And that's what I got challenged with here recently as I was, uh, was actually on a beach trip down in Florida with a bunch of my good friends from college. And uh, we had hopped in an Uber uh, 
uh, to, to go to dinner one night. Or we were coming back from dinner, actually, and uh, jumped in the front seat. And I'm one of those. I love chatting up the driver. Uh-huh. I always like hearing their story. Right. Um, and, and just getting the chance to get to know somebody new. If you ever met my granddad, that's, you never knew a stranger. And I inherited that, that gene of his. <laughs> uh, but so I hopped in and, uh, and started talking to him. And, and he said, well, let me ask you a choice. And he said, who, who are you? The cab driver so, asked you this. Th- that's right. The driver asked me this and he said, well, Clay Williams. <laughs> and, uh, he said, uh, he said, "No, no, no. Tell me, tell me who you are, not what your profession is." Uh, and so I went on, gave him the answer that I just gave you, and, and because he challenged me in that, and and he went on to say, he said, well, "Why is that?" I said, "That's because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins." And he said, "Do you believe that?" And I said, "I surely do believe that." And he said, "Well." Well, why does why does that entitle you to be a to to be a Christian? I said, well, because I'm a sinner. And and then he went on to lead me to 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 something that was just very profound in that moment. Something that stuck with me is that he's he said, I want you to look at Christians as a whole. And he said, every majority of Christians. I'm not going to say every. I can't speak for everybody, but uh, so many of Christians. Choose to live the life to be sinless, to be sin-free, and to do uh, what makes their life as clean as can be. But that's that's not, as Christians, what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to aim our life at Jesus and to to try to to do as Jesus did, as Jesus gave us the example. And, you know, that just hit me in the face. It really did. It's because it's true. Um, I see it in myself. I see it in, in many others that I sit next to at church. Is that we're not truly looking at uh, the person that died for us, but we're looking at how can we be, um, how can we be sin- sinless? And to me, that was just really profound. As if there's something that we can do as the sinner, as the, the believers, to earn what what Jesus has given right, us, and, exactly. and we can't. And we'll talk more about that too. But was that his point, Clay? That was his point. Yep. That was his point, and and that's and that's one thing is you dig through the Bible, you see it time and time again that that Jesus is said and his disciples are said that we cannot work for His grace, and we already have His grace. Nothing we do is going to is going to give us His grace. We've already gotten His grace by Him dying on the cross for us. Folks, here's what's so cool about Clay. What you're hearing come out of him right now isn't something that he has figured out in the last year. It's not something that he figured out in the last five years. As long as I've known this kid, this young man, I still call you a kid, and I'm sorry about that. But as long as I've known Clay, he's had this kind of faith. And what's so special about his story is that he was able to carry it without strain all the way through those high school years and college years. And Clay, in a society, in a culture where so many teenagers and young men and women are really groomed to think about their college years as a place where it's okay, they're given a pass to go through their wild phase. Or to, you know, it's okay if you're rebellious towards your parents or, hey, you know, you're going to go through, uh, some, you're going to live the, cre- the college life, right? You've heard that. Be a regular college kid and, and experiment and do all these things. 
which some of that, okay, we can, we can talk about that. But you did the college life, and you had fun, but you never compromised on what you believed. And that's rare. I mean, that's extremely rare. I wasn't able to do it, and that's what I admire so much about you. One of the things is that you were able to do it. So speak to that. What causes kids, when they get into college situation, to drift from their faith, if they have faith going into it, and how were you able to to avoid that trap? Well, you know, there's there's so many different ways that you can look at that that drift or the drift away, um, and and I think a lot of it is 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 a lot of kids don't know their identity. They've, and I think that boils down to and kind of where I lean in that that discussion is. Is this comes down to farm kids, you know, we are given so much of so much freedom and so much trust and responsibility that we've kind of already, in my case, you know, I, I, I knew exactly who I was to be. There's so much that's drilled into you growing up with the responsibilities that you are that you know you've got to get you wake up that morning and you know you've got to get this done, you gotta get this done, you got um, and and we need to maintain um, we we know how important relationships are um, in in terms of helping out your neighbor uh, that maybe his tractor broke down and he needs his help getting under there and fixing something or whatever it may be you know um, and so I think a lot of it is is I was given so much trust by my parents uh, I I never once can think of a time where they asked me when I left the house uh, growing up what what's going to happen there tonight, Clay, or, or where are you going and, and what's your plan there, or anything like that. I tell you, the, the closest thing to that, and, and it really was, I'm, I'm blessed for it, is every time I left the house, my mom would say, just remember where you came from. Mm-hmm. And, and and those are heavy words. Mm-hmm. And, and I did, and I, and I took pride in that. And, and one and, and I don't know if my parents have ever heard me say this, but one of the biggest things in my life growing up was I never wanted to let my parents down. Mm-hmm. Never wanted to let my parents down because my parents were my my dad was my best friend, still is my best friend. I talk to my dad five times a day. It may be a minute at a time, and it may be a few grunts, and that's it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's communication too. But that's right, and and so I just had a the most respect that I could for my parents. And so I never wanted to let them down. And part of that was, was being at church on Sunday mm-hmm. um, and, and hearing, you know, the Christian values in our household, saying prayer, sitting at the table together every night for dinner and, and blessing our food before we, we took that food in. Um, and just the little small things like that, that just were instilled in me. Um, that I knew that these are the foundations, these are the values um, that I need to take forward. And I saw it in my grandparents. Um, I saw it in so many others. And, and Jake, you're on that list too, is, is I was just surrounded by so many people, uh, yourself included, that I didn't want to let down. And and that's not to say that I live a life saying I want to please others or, or do that, but I surrounded myself with people that were just easy to admire and the common factor in each of those peoples was a strong relationship uh, with God, with our Lord and Savior. 
And so it was, it was, well, if I want, if I don't want to let them down, the way that I'm letting them down is by letting God down. And so that's kind of what, what built my faith and what, which, you know, I went to a, luckily I went to a, a church that was extremely, uh, full of, of good teachers of the word and, and just allowed me to, to grow individually in my faith. Um, but also brought us together for a community. And so it was, I would say ultimately what kept me from drifting was the community that was around me was strong enough to hold me accountable. And, and I hope to do that too with others. Uh, I, I think that's, that's part of the community of Christ is, is holding each other accountable there. And it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. And I'm glad you said that. Um, Something that I wrote down here in my notes that I, I really like, and I want to go back to what you said. You said you have to know your identity. And, you know, you hear the expression of people who are starting in life or going to college that they need to find their self. And what I'm hearing from you is that you knew who you were when you started into college. And that had to make it easier for you to stay on the path that you did. Am I right? Oh, most definitely. I think you can, anybody that knows me well knows how stubborn headed I am. And I take that as a compliment. And, uh, and I, and I think that's, I, I knew, I knew what, what path I wanted to take. Did I know the answer to every little thing or every little life decision? No. And I still don't. I never will. Um, but I, I had a rough blueprint and, and, and that rough blueprint is, sitting and praying every day and talking to God and, and trusting his will for me. And in that is knowing how, how to carry ourselves on a day-to-day basis and, and to glorify him with all, with all that we're doing. And, and I, I knew my identity. I knew that I was a, a, a person that was passionate for agriculture, primarily uh, the beef industry. And I knew that that I love the South. I love my family. I love just, I love community. I love to, to smile and laugh and, and, and I like a good ribbon every once in a while. And, and, and that's what, and that's what I built around me. And, and really I already had it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I just expanded it. And, and that's again, by the people around me, it was easy to expand, to expand that, uh, into what it is now. I imagine it, an analogy is like building a muscle. You know, those years for you, it sounds, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like that was a chance for you to not weaken, not take the road of becoming weaker in your faith, but it actually is a chance that you utilize to get stronger in your faith. Yes, oh, 100%. And, and, and on that note, I, I don't know if I've ever told my favorite verse is, uh, is Hebrews 12:11, and that's exactly what that what that scripture speaks to and and I should have had it ready. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick for those that that don't know that one. And and I'm sadly can't say that I know it too well off the top of my head. I know it by gist, but. Well, that's okay. While you're looking for that, let me ask you another question. So be it high school or be it college, I mean, here, here you are. You've got a you've got a pretty good foundation underneath you already. and, And you're pretty grounded in your identity. Did that ever come across to people that you considered friends who weren't necessarily of the same faith as you are, didn't maybe have the same um, uh, convictions, maybe they weren't as sure of their identity? Did people that you considered close friends ever look at you as you know stiff, 
uh, square, a fun hater, ever what you want to call it. You know, were you ever ridiculed or did you, did you ever get made fun of a little bit for taking a stand, either by friends or maybe even like in your college life, maybe even professors? Honestly, I can say that it never happened to me. It's quite the opposite. Um, and that this goes through high school and all the way through college and in, into my current life. Everybody that, that knows me, and, and really it, it would amaze me, uh, and still does to this day, but I was in a fraternity in college, and so, I mean, I was, I was at the bars just like many others. Again, I'm not a perfect uh, human at all. And I'd be late night, and and it would amaze me some of the guys that would come up to me and just you know they'd kind of pull me off to the side, and I and some of my buddies they'll laugh, and, and my wife has learned this now, Emily has learned this now, is that I probably get more heart to heart conversations than most people I know. Oh, really? And and I think that's because and and I and I feel that's because people know that I'm that I'm genuine and yeah. and I truly want to hear and I truly want to, to hear what's on their heart or what's on their mind and and if I can help them and that's not to say I'm always the one that's got the wisdom to pass it forward uh, but but I'm always willing to listen to those to, to whatever it is that's on their mind and I can I can remember one time uh, a guy that was in the fraternity a few years older than me and he was in the you know all fraternities have their their cliques and niches within within the fraternity itself and there was one that was kind of the wilder crowd and we we're standing outside one night downtown Athens and he he kind of pulls me off to the side and he's like Clay and, and he was he was using drugs and he said Clay I'm I'm, I'm quitting quitting drugs and I was like that's awesome man I'm glad glad to hear that uh, and I we kind of sat there and I looked at him and I said so why are you telling me this? And he said, because you're one of the few people that will respect me for this and will support me in this. Mm. And and that just hit me, hit me hard. And and you know, and, and there was a lot of times that we have the opportunity to get up in front of people and and speak our mind. And and I hate that speak our mind because I think when you say speak your mind, you, you it's kind of. Um, an aggressive mindset, but that's not the case. Sometimes you're speaking your mind in a, in a, uh, in a real peaceful and loving way, but it was after that and a few other instances that I said, you know, I need to, I need to start welcoming people in to, if they need to have those conversations. And, and I would say the closest time that I ever got to people think or think I was weird or not even weird, but it would kind of stiffen up on me was, you know, there was a lot, of, and I'm sure a lot of little college towns, or any time you get to a big uh, event or something, you're going to see those people that are shouting scripture to in people's faces with large signs, and, and and to me, that's just not an effective way of, of growing um, Christianity. And and so, any time that I would, I had opportunities to get in front of people, you know, I knew and I and I heard it from those around me that that weren't close to God or. You know, they believed but didn't have that relationship that I had. They were turned off by those people. And, and mm-hmm. some of those people were, were in my inner circle. They would just try to shove religion and, and their faith up, up people's throat. And, you know, I always left it at, hey, this is how I believe. This is this is why I believe. And I believe everybody needs this. And that's what, and that's, that's what I want to tell you all. But 
I want to open the door for any time that y'all want to talk about it. Y'all come to me, call me, whatever. But I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not going to shove it down your throat because I, it doesn't matter. You could, you could tell me that I need to eat this brisket right now, and I'm going to be a little uneasy about that. Um, yeah. And it's so, just kind of our nature, isn't it? Right. And so, You're not going to tell me what to do. Exactly. And so, and I, and I saw that, um, and it's a quick to listen, slow to speak. And, um, and so I, I tried to be quick to listen and slow to speak and, and more so my college days that I, that I kind of acquire that. And again, I am far from perfect. Uh, there was, I probably didn't reach all the people that I could have and, and use all the opportunities that I could have to speak, um, to, to give glory to him. But, you know, just offering these easy moments for people to get in and pick my brain and, and just, and a lot of times, you know, it was just simply showing them that we're not all, not all the, the screamers and convictors that, that some think they are. Um, and so that was, I, I never had the experience of, Hey, let's, let's steer away from that. And if I did, I didn't notice it and I didn't care. <laughs> I, I was going to be who I am, and I wasn't going to let um, someone else's thoughts change me there. Well, short, shortly we'll talk a little more about Jesus. We'll talk a little more about the Bible. But if you've ever read the Bible or, or heard some of the, the parables in the Bible, um, one of the things that happened when Jesus was on earth is that he was ridiculed. And I think sometimes Christian men and women can be ridiculed, but Jesus hung out with and ate supper with and was friends with people that were considered the worst sinners in a, in a community yep. or in a village. Um, well, and, and I tell you, there's a lot of, I sit in a lot of groups of, of all levels of, of faith. And, and, and I see that in a lot of some of the most devout Christians is like, oh, I don't know if we should do that, but how, how in the world do we give, the message of God or the message of, of Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins, how do we give that to, are we just going to sit in a group of a circle of Christians and, and talk to one another about it? How are we going to grow? How are we going to spread his message? Yeah. Again, Jesus, Jesus used the example. He said, I didn't come to, uh, to, to, to heal the people who are well, I came to heal the sick. That's right. You know, and so he spent time with the sick and mm -hmm. not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, although he healed a lot of physical sickness and lameness and blindness and all this. Well, and, and, and kind of a funny story I want to talk about this um, is that I feel a lot of people, well, and we can, if we're going to talk about Jesus more later, I'll, I'll hold off. We'll, we'll table this for a later later topic. Before we get into that, let's, let's cover one more thing. You set up a good example, a contrast of maybe two different lifestyles that people live in college. You know, you, you had your friends, you, you socialized with your friends, um, but you talked to that guy or the guy talked to you who was into drugs and was trying to turn things around and, and you know, you had put yourself in a position to be there for that guy and, um, you know, with, with, without compromising, you were still able to have a relationship with him and to be able to help him when he needed help. And one of the stories in the Bible is of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. And the prodigal son, if you haven't heard that story, there was a, a wealthy man. He had two sons, an older and a younger. The younger son came to him and, and just demanded his inheritance from the wealthy father. I, I don't want to wait till you die. I want to live my life now. I want to go off. And this young son was kind of into the, 
sex, drugs, and a rock and roll crowd. You know, he wanted to have a good time. And so the dad said, okay. He gave him his inheritance. Tell lights out the driveway. The son takes off. And he totally squanders the entire inheritance and has to come back home broken, penniless, ashamed, and beg for his father's forgiveness. But the father takes him back. And, you know, just because... Maybe you are the prodigal in college or in high school. Maybe you made some bad decisions, but doesn't mean you can't get back on the right road. You agree? Oh, 100%. And and I will say some of the some of the strongest Christians that I know are those people. Are those Yes. That, you know, yes. And I was I was blessed that I was raised in the Christian house and I went to church every Sunday and and I never like we like we've mentioned, I've never had that time where it really my back was up against the wall and and I had made some horrible decisions. I've made bad decisions, but I but but none that have really led me down the dark and lonesome road. And and so I see those people that come into a church and have truly given their life to be recreated by God and. It's incredible. They are some of the strongest, and, and they don't. And it's funny because some of those people they'll look at um, so many of, of Christians that, that are casual, and they're like, "I don't get it. How are you not shouting his name right now?" Yes, <laughs> or what yeah. he does. They're so grateful because they know how so how deep they were in a hole, and to be mm-hmm. to be rescued. You know, they're and just it's it's literally from the clutches of death, and they're so grateful. And, yes. Yeah, I was. You know who comes to mind when you talk about that, Clay? And uh, he's got an awesome podcast. Him and his sons called Unashamed that I'm totally into right now, and I'm working. But it's Phil Robinson, the the patriarch of the Duck Dynasty I, family. Actually, a place I had lunch today was had that, and I, I love me some some Duck Dynasty. Oh, those guys are so cool. <laughs> but you want to talk about a guy that was a genuine bad dude? I mean, yeah. everything mm-hmm. from I'm not talking about drinking. I'm talking about abuse, drugs, fighting, just just a mean, bad guy, and uh, totally turned his life around, and now has become what you're talking about, one of the most passionate, outspoken, fired up, devote Christian guys that I listen to, and I mean, I do listen to him a lot, because he's, he's just real, you know, it's not a it's not some wacky TV preacher that's trying to get you to send a dollar. I mean, this guy's just telling you real life stuff. And uh, that's a great example, I think, of someone who's been down in the dumps and appreciates so much the, oh, the salvation that, he's had. And that's a good point for me. I, I got my favorite verse up here now, but that that's a good – my verse feeds into this. That the people that, that are really down in the dumps, and that's that's even us that are, that are long time – faithful servants um this verse applies to us and it's again it's hebrews twelve eleven, and it is no discipline seems enjoyable mm. at the time but painful later on however it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it mm-hmm. and it's just saying hey no matter how bad it gets you're getting better and that's how i look at that and it's that's as long as we're faithful and i i love that verse for for what it says because I don't know anybody on this earth that's had uh, 365 good days in a row. Amen. So, Now, this isn't in the Bible, but I love the saying. It's just like when you get your little hiney spanked when you're a kid, 
and I don't know anything about that. Yeah, you wouldn't, you little <laughs> angel, but your little spirit's crushed and your feelings are hurt and your lips out and the tears are rolling, but you don't do that again. And honestly, people will tell you that, you know, children especially of, of parents from, from our homes that wasn't great, you know, a parent that never disciplined them, those kids don't feel loved the same way that right. a, a kid that grew up with a parent that actually cared enough to snatch them up by their shirt collar and and tear their hiney up for doing something wrong, you know, that's that's love. And God yeah. loves his kids enough to do that. And uh, the saying that, that I said is not necessarily in the Bible that I love so much is that God doesn't whip the devil's children. He whips right. his own children, you know, yeah. and I, I love that. Yeah. And that ties right into that Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 11. All right, at this point, Clay, let's shift gears a little bit because we've talked about some stuff, and we may be talking way over people's heads. We may be throwing fastballs by them here. So let's slow down a little bit and back up and talk about uh, what we mean by all this Christian talk. So what is it to be a Christian? Who is Jesus? Who is God? What is salvation? There's terms that you've probably heard, but maybe they're vague terms if you haven't grown up in a in a Christian home or haven't been in a church or been exposed to, to any of this, let's break that down and set the table a little bit here with just some basic terms and a basic outline of what it means to be a Christian. So I'm going to throw out a few things and you comment on, comment on these. Some of the things that I hear about maybe misconceptions about what it means to be a Christian is it means to be a good person, do your best, go to church, um, I'm a Christian if I come from a Christian family. Is that what it means to be a Christian, Clay? No. <laughs> Those are all parts of it. Uh-huh. But, uh, that is not the all-encompassing. Uh, there's there's much, 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 much more to it. I wish it was that easy. If it was that easy, we all would be doing pretty well, wouldn't we? <laughs> we would, but uh, it gets to be a pretty high standard to live up to. Right. You know, when I... When I talk, when I think about being a Christian, or, or when I when somebody wants to know what is it to be a Christian, what does it take to be very basic and very simple uh, and kind of quick to the point is, I think there's there's kind of four four ways that it goes about it. Is first you you do have to believe, and to me everything that you just described was a belief. You are believing that that God is. Uh, that is is sovereign over us, and that you do believe that Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross for our sins, and that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, and so you do have to believe that. But with that belief, you have to have a curiosity. And hopefully that curiosity leads you to jumping into the Bible, leads you to finding... Um, other faithful Christians that are that are that are truly seeking God, and and you build up this this group around you, and it leads you to feel the conviction of your sins, and to ask for salvation, um, and to and to ask ask for your salvation, to be asked for to forgive for your sins, so that you become that you will give your life to the one that saved you, and that it wiped that gave His blood. Um, to wipe us all free of our sins and allow us to live a life of, of our own decisions and, and to not feel guilty for that. And so then once you do that, it's up to you to seek Him. And at that point, that's when we truly take off on a whole other journey. 
is it's time to seek him and it's time to wake up every day thinking, how can I live for him? How can I glorify uh, our God, our Father, Lord and Savior every day? You did a great job of, of nutshelling that into those four points. Let's break those down a little bit one by one. Okay. And, and correct me if I've got this wrong, but your first point is belief. And be, right. so I would say belief in what? And you said belief in God. So we have to believe that God is real, that there is a God. And that sounds maybe simple on the surface, but let's face it, man. We're living in a day and time where we may now be in the minority if we believe that that's the truth. That's but, right. but belief is truly where it starts. And part of what's so amazing about Christianity and the things Clay's talking about is that, I mean, we can get into deep, deep, deep theological stuff here, but on the surface, it is so stinking simple. It is so simple. My six-year-old daughter can understand and become a Christian. It's that simple. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to have grown up in church. You don't. I mean, you don't have to have done so many things right. It'd be terrible. But these things, is all those things, it all starts with the belief and yeah. the belief in God. Yeah. Just need to read read the parables, and that'll show you how simple it is. <laughs> the second thing that you talked about, and this is something we can break down a little more, is Jesus. And um, belief falls into that too, belief in Jesus. But who is Jesus? Is you know this gets to be a little little tougher maybe if you're new to the faith. But Jesus is God and man, and we as Christians believe Clay that Jesus came to Earth two thousand years ago as a man from heaven. He lived, and by the way, he's the only one of us who ever lived a perfect, sinless life. That's right. And uh, he was crucified for it. Crucifixion is a horrible, horrible means of execution that the Romans practiced where you were with nails and a hammer nailed to a cross and then left to hung the, hang there until you're dead. And before all that, he underwent a, 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 an unfair trial. He was brutally beaten and tortured and then was hung on the cross. But he willingly did that in order to pay a ransom or pay the payment for the debt that we owe God for our sins. That's right. And, and, and I so talk about Jesus a little bit. I don't want to put too many words in your mouth. Right. Well, and, and I think too many times we romanticize what you just said and, and the whole, the events of what you just said. And again, let's look at it simply. He got straight up murdered yep. for us. And just think about how bloody that is. Think about, I mean, you know, it wasn't that it, it wasn't that he was hiding out and they finally found him and killed him. He gave himself. Mm -hmm. He presented himself. And he knew what he was doing. He knew that what he was, what was about to, he knew what was about to happen. And he knew that it was going to allow us a freedom uh, that we were never going to know if he, if he wasn't to do that. And, you know, as a strong Christian myself, I still don't think I, even 29 years into my faith, I don't think I have my head wrapped around just the severity of that still. Mm -hmm. That's something I pray for that constantly is like wrap my head around how crazy it was that what he did for us. Mm -hmm. And 
but to to talk about Jesus, like you said, is it's, and this is where the Bible absolutely is is key to us building our faith. Is that look at what he did and in, in the life that he lived. He walked this earth and he lived a grateful life. He lived a life that um, was given to others before he truly gave his life as a servant. He was as a servant, <laughs> and. And I think a lot of times, and, and this is one thing, is, is a lot of people think of Jesus as, as somebody that's, that's meek and mild, um, and that was far from the truth. He was a passionate person, um, and at times an angry person. Matter of fact, I, I was it's a piece of scripture I ran across this morning in my devotional. It was one that I love, and it just talks about... It's kind of just, it, it humanizes Jesus in a way. And it was funny, um, I read, I'm, I'm, right now I'm going through New Morning Mercies. It's a devotional that I actually, Blake Boyd has been sharing, and that's what got me on it. And then uh, Daniel McFarland, he's, he saw my post on it, so he's got it. And Daniel actually called me this morning. We talked about this scripture, but do you mind if I, if I read this? Please and do. And give you some thoughts. As, as, so we're in, in Mark chapter 9. Um, and the whole passage here is, is, is I challenge you to read 14, um, it's 14 through 29, uh, but we're focusing, focusing on 17 through 23. And, and to kind of set it up here is Jesus is, is coming about and he's seeing this large crowd of people and they're swarming and they know that he's around. Uh, and, and he's, he's inquiring about what's this crowd doing in this this man comes up and, he's, and he says, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And he talks about how his son has is, is been taken over and, and the devil is inside of him and, and is demonizing him. And, and um, he, so he goes on to say, he says, Whatever it seizes him, it throws him down and foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So it asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. And so Jesus replies, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. And that first thing there, I just love that so much is he's like, how much do I have to do? This is after he's already given so much life of, of proving um, what he is capable of. Miracles and, and healing. And, and miracles. And yet we still have people. And so he goes on to that. Is, and so the father says, um, from childhood, and many t- or when he asks how long has this been happening to him, the father says, "From childhood, and many times it has thrown him into the fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us." And Jesus said to him, "If you can," and I love that line. And Daniel McFarland this morning he goes, "Jesus is a bad man." <laughs> <laughs> And he said, everything is possible to the one who believes. And that's it. And so I just challenge when we're talking about Jesus, there's just story after story in the Bible. It talks about his life and how he was a servant to us. And, and, and his ultimate death just shows how he was a servant to us and now how we owe it to him uh, to be a servant of, and to glorify him every single day and every moment that we can. Okay, Clay, so Jesus was a real man, the same as you and I and and every person listening, a real flesh, blood, bones man. 
and still is today, by the way. And he came down from heaven, lived the perfect sinless life here on the earth. That's right. And we said he did that in order that we may be saved, which was your third point, asking for salvation. But salvation, I mean, what do I need saved from? You know, if, if, if I'm brand new to this, why do I need saved? I'm a pretty good person, I think. I mean, I never killed nobody. You know, I try and help people. I uh, Every time at Christmas, that guy's ringing the bell in front of Walmart. I throw a couple of bucks in there. You know what I mean? I take care of my family. I'm not a bad guy. So what do I really need saved from? Why did Jesus do all this? So tell us a little bit about what you mean by salvation. So, so to, to, to your point, you're perfect human there, walking the earth. It's never done anything bad. It's, it's we are all our sinners. Um, no matter how much good we do, uh, we're not earning anything, but we are all sinners. We all, I would say probably the most common thing that I see in myself and, and many others is, is judgment. Um, we're, we pass judgment. I don't think any of us go 20 minutes without passing judgment. Um, and we, we have this, this weight upon us for the sin that, that every day that we are just sinning and building up this sin. And oh, how heavy that would be if we didn't have salvation, which is the deliverance from that sin. It is, it is lifting that sin off of our backs and allowing us to live a life of, full of grace it was given to us by Jesus, dying on the cross from our sin, who is the Son of God, who is God on earth. And that is, and so Him dying on the cross is wiping away our sins and allowing us to live a, a life free of that guilt, free of that, um, that weight, but also knowing, all while knowing, that we don't have to, we don't have to work for that. We can live our lives. And we, and I'm not saying everybody go out and sin. Now that we've got salvation, let's go out and sin. But we don't have to worry about, at the end of the day, sitting down and, and counting up our sins and saying, okay, I need to pray for 45 minutes tonight because it's the 45 sins I committed. We yeah. don't have to worry about that because our salvation is Jesus, his death on the cross, provided us the salvation lifted that sin off of our, uh, off of our shoulders. And that's the only way the only way the debt that's can right. be paid. The only way. We we can't ever work enough or do enough the human sacrifice or, that Jesus gave us. It's the only way and you know, I struggled with this for a long time and, and I I wouldn't say that I still don't struggle with it at times today, but so much of of my walk with Jesus I get confused and try and, and compare our relationship to my relationship with other people here on earth. And to that extent, I've got to remember that God's God. You know, He's not Clay, He's not Jake, because so many of the things in relationships that we have with people here on earth are transactions. So I do for you, and you do for me. Right. Quid pro quo. You help me over here. I can come back and help you over there. We see that even in the cattle business. Yeah. You know, and the difference between those relationships and the relationship God and Jesus will have with you is that it's not a transaction. He loves you like crazy, but he's not impressed with your works. In fact, 
There's well, nothing you can do. Son. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say that will earn God's favor. It's only faith. It's only what you talked about in that first point, belief. And you do have to repent. Repent means stop sinning. You know, if you're doing things that are obviously, you know, if you're going out and getting high on drugs every day and, and doing that, you, you know, you got to stop that. That's what repent means. It doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake again, but you repent, you turn from your sins. And then God gives that to you as a free gift when you put your faith in Him. And that is so hard for people to wrestle with because the magnitude of it and the value of it, we can't sometimes comprehend, I think, with our human mind that that would be given to us for free. Like Clay, in your business, you probably go to trade shows and things like that. The free stuff that's given out is usually the junk stuff. That's right. Right? And this is, right. The, this is the opposite of that. I mean, that's the farthest thing from it. So I think it's hard for us to get our minds around sometimes that the gift is freely given. It's freely given. And you can't do anything to earn it. Uh, there's, there's nothing you can do to impress him. God did all the work. You just have to accept it. He's not like you were talking about your relationship with some of your buddies in college. You never forced it on them but you're always there. And that's, to me, how Jesus treats us. He doesn't force himself on us. He's not going to make us do this stuff. It's still, in the end, our choice. But we want you and to I make can, that choice, and God wants you to make that choice. To kind of simplify things, you know, looking at, uh, I had actually opened my Bible to, uh, I have a study Bible. If you don't have a study Bible, I yeah. highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, the footnotes are, are always outstanding, and the footnote on in, in the, during the scripture for the prodigal son. So this is the footnote on uh, chapter fifteen of, of Luke, verse twenty. It's kind of right here in the middle of the footnote. It says the father watched and waited. He was dealing with a human being with a will of his own, but he was ready to greet his son if he returned. In that same way, God's love is constant and patient and welcoming. He will search for us and give us an opportunity to respond, but he will not force us to come in. Yeah. And I just, he waits patiently for us to come to our senses. Yeah. He's not asking us to, to do anything. He's not forcing us to do anything. He has already paid that price by giving us his son um, on the cross. He, he literally gave his life, traded his life, for yours and for mine. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't have anybody else in my life that would do that. I mean, I got some pretty good buddies, but they wouldn't cross that line. But that's how no, much Jake, Jesus... That one night you told me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how much Jesus loves you, though. You know, and, yeah. and I want people to hear that. He is absolutely crazy about you. Of the billions of people that are on the earth, he thought the world needed you. And he made you, and he loves you, and he wants to save you. He wants to, to be your, with you forever. And, and to your point about you know relationships, you can't think about it as the same relationships as humans with, with exchange, exchanging. We still do, do need to look at God. In my, in my mind, he's our best friend. And when I sit down and pray in the morning, it's like I'm sitting there leaned up against the back of the truck talking awesome. about what's going on. That's awesome. And and, and that's, I think too many people try to formalize it. Yeah. That's, God doesn't want to be formal with us. He's our buddy. He's our pal. 
he's our father, you know, we, we can trust him and confide in him. Uh, and so in one way, yes, it's not like a worldly relationship, but we need to talk to God and take the time to talk to God like it is a worldly relationship. Okay. Play along with me here, Clay. I'm going to ask you some questions and you give me the answer because I, I feel like some people may still be, if you're hearing this for the first time ever in your life, this may be really heavy on you right now. So, you, you know, if you're listening, you're saying Jake and Clay are sitting here telling me on this podcast that this man named Jesus had to become man, had to come to earth, had to undergo a brutal beating and, and murder and was crucified all because of what I did, I still don't think I'm that bad. So let's do a little test. Let's do, okay. I'm going to call it the good person test, and this isn't mine. I want to give credit where credit's due. If you uh, like to watch YouTube videos, look up Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort okay. has a ministry, and he goes around with a microphone and a camera and just interviews people on the street, and he will do this test as he, as he talks to them about Jesus. But are you a good person? You have to ask yourself this. Everyone answers this question, yes, by the way. Are you a good person? Yeah, I'm a good person. You know, I never never murdered nobody, never, you know, stole a car, never done anything yeah. like that. So everyone thinks they're a good person. But the question you have to ask yourself is compared to what? And when we read in the Bible, we find out that God gave us a set of rules that he uses to judge who's good and bad. And they're real simple. There's only 10 of them. They're called the Ten Commandments. You may have heard of them. So that's God's measuring stick for what is good. And, you know, some of the ones we all know, don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, so on and so on and so on. So let's give this little, ourselves this little test. Clay, have you ever told a lie, even if it's a small one? Yes. You have. Okay. Yes. What do you call somebody that's call, that, that tells lies? What are they called? A liar. A liar. Okay. Uh -huh. Next question. Have you ever stolen anything in your life? I mean, even something small, a piece of gum. I mean, something small. Have you ever taken something that technically wasn't yours? Stolen anything. You know, I feel like I, I, I guarantee you I have unknowingly, but I think I have taken a sticker or something from a few barbecue places. <laughs> okay. I think that was just Maybe a confession. Yeah. <laughs> what do you call somebody who steals? A thief. A thief. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Bible also says that if you have hate in your heart for someone, in God's eyes, that's the same as committing a murder. So have you ever, you're catching on now, have you ever had hate in your heart for someone, been upset with somebody so much, you just hated that guy, you just hated what that person did? Nick Saban. <laughs> and I won't hold that forgive against you. I will forgive you for that. But uh, what what do you call somebody that kills? A murderer. A murderer. So Clay, by your own admission, just now on the Cattle Pros podcast, you are a liar, a thief, and a murderer. I am. <laughs> and I so, am. if God is a good God and He's just, and we talk a lot about justice these days in our society. So if he's a good God and he's a good judge, and the Bible says he's all going to judge us one day when we die, by your own admission, you're a liar, a thief, and a murderer. By the way, so am I. If he's a good God, would he find you on that day guilty or innocent? Guilty, guilty, guilty. 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 
We also read in the Bible in Revelations that it says all liars, murderers, thieves will be thrown into hell into the lake of fire. So we know that we owe a debt. We've broken the commandments. And by the way, he says if you break even one of them, it's like breaking all of them. That's right. And the Bible says there is no one who's perfect. No, not one. So if we all owe this debt, there's no way we can pay it. We are truly helpless. I mean, we're, we're in the corner of all corners. We've got our back against the wall like we've never had it in our lives. And, and we don't understand that. We don't grasp that. I don't yeah. think we ever will. And so that entered Jesus into the scene now. God, even though we got ourselves into the trouble, even though God's created us, even though God gave us this planet, He's done everything for us. He loves us enough that He even gave us a way out of this predicament. Imagine if you owed a billion dollars and, and they had you dead to rights and you're standing in court and the judge says, guilty, guilty, guilty. Serves the rest of your life in prison. That's what I sentenced you to. And at the last minute, somebody runs in the courtroom with their checkbook and says, Your Honor, I'd like to pay this man's debt. Here's a check for a billion dollars. And you go scot-free. Essentially, that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's why He came to earth. That's why He lived His sinless life. And that's why He willingly gave up. He volunteered to give up His life for us so that He could pay the debt that we couldn't pay. And I just want to point that out because that is why we need a Savior. And even though you, you maybe have not done these horrible, horrible things in your life, you've got to understand that God is holy and righteous, and He hates sin, no matter what size it is, no matter what kind it is. You know, there's people that have sin that is just all over the place. You know, you, you can see their sin, but there's a lot of people that have sin that you can't see that's on the inside, but God sees it all. And, and we all owe. And I just, Clay, I, I just wanted to point out to people who maybe are struggling with, hey, maybe I'm not that bad. You know, in God's eyes, we all owe the same debt. You agree? Oh, uh, 1,000%. I, if anybody listening to this can call me and I will list off my sins I committed that day. And, uh, <laughs> and it's every day. So we are all indebted and we will forever be indebted. Um, and, and now, though, enter the good news. Jesus did do it, man. He, right. he did. He, you talk about. I can hear your smile. I know I'm smiling. I'm smiling, right dude. Yeah. You talk about it, the Savior of all saviors. That's why he's called the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the great physician, the great healer. I mean, he is everything. He has paid it all, and it is done. You don't owe a dime, and there's nothing you can add to it that he hasn't already taken care of. And this is the fourth part of those of that outline you laid out. Now, if you'll just accept that, if you'll believe that and you'll accept it and you'll repent, like we talked about, he's ready to give you a brand new life. That's where the term born again comes from. You heard of a born again Christian? Well, this is where the born again part comes in. And Clay, talk to us about that new heart and that new life that comes to you when you believe and you repent. Well, I mean, there's a number of ways that, that we come about, but to me, what the biggest thing that comes about with that born again, that repentant life, is a grateful life. Um, and that's a life that our interactions, 
um, whether they be over the phone, whether they be walking down the road, whatever they may be, become grateful and knowing that each day, whether we have somebody owing us something or not, we can look at this life with a new a new attitude, a new um, view of our sins have been wiped free. All that we have done wrong in this world has been wiped free. We have been granted salvation. And so what does anybody owe us? They owe us nothing. And so we are we do those other people um, with love, with kindness, um, and like I said, with, with gratefulness. Uh, and operating every day in that way, but also doing it in a way that glorifies. So being vocal, being, um, and operate. I mean, I'm trying to think, let me think about a, a today. Um, you know, it's, it's as simple as opening the door open, open for holding the door open for somebody. It's as simple as, as saying, Hey, to someone and how that can just straight up change your attitude on the day. Um, but waking up in the morning and knowing, all right, I have no anger in my heart. I was granted a new life. I have no frustration in my life. I have nothing to be afraid of because I know whatever comes my way, I've got somebody that's going to give me what I need to get through that. There's so much freedom in that, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Clay, I want to talk about one thing, and and we're going to wrap this up. I want to talk about one thing, and I want to share with you a trap that I fell in, and and hopefully it'll keep someone else from falling into it. But, you know, I think it's interesting to bring up what I'm going to bring up with you. (laughs) Okay, that's enough with the Alabama jokes, please. Come on. Even though you guys are giving us all we want now, but that's for another podcast. But one of the things, a trap that I fell into that I think a ton of people, and maybe in our business, we're more susceptible to this, um, but it's something called cultural Christianity. Have you ever heard that term? So, you know, if you haven't, cultural Christianity is when you kind of grow up in a culture of Christianity and you assume that you're a Christian just because your mom and dad were, or you go to church, or you've... You know, you hang out with other people that are Christians, but that is a snare and a trap, and, and it'll it got me, and it can it's something that's dangerous, and you need to watch out for. And, and I want to quote something from Rick Burgess. And if you listen to radio shows in the South, he's a syndicated radio host on a show called the Rick and Bubba Show, which is really funny, by the way. It's a morning show. I like to listen to it still. But he's he's also a preacher on the side, and he talks about this. He says. We may not believe what we confess or say, but we will uncontrollably live what we believe. Now listen to that again. We may not believe what we say. The words that we say, we might not actually believe it, but we will uncontrollably live what we believe. So if I really want to know who you are, I just watch the way you live. I just watch what you do. I don't listen to what you say. And that'll tell me everything I need to know about you. You know, talk is cheap because I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church. I knew the sermons. I knew the Bible verses. I could probably put on a pretty good show for you. But at the time in my life, if you watched the way I lived, there wasn't nothing there that would indicate to you that I was a Christian. And that's what cultural Christianity 
uh, is, and, and, and that is a trap. And Clay, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I, I, I echo those that I've got a good friend in college. He had a saying that was, don't talk about it, be about it. Ooh, I love that. And and that's 100% how we need to be acting as Christians. But go on. I, I know what you're leading to, so I'm interested. Well, you know, in, in my life, there was no obedience to the Word of God. Um, I knew it, but I didn't follow it. And, you know, I talked to, on a conversation earlier, that's the difference between being a believer and a follower. I want to be a follower. Um, anybody can kind of have a surface belief, but put it in action and you become a follower. And that's what I had to work on. And, um, you know, something I struggled with was I was a people pleaser, especially in college and high school. I changed high schools, and I'm not being a victim here. But I'm going to lay this out for you. I changed high schools, had to make new friends. I changed, uh, I went to my, my rival across town, you know, our dreaded arch rivals. Had to start going to school there. It would be like you having to go to Alabama, Clay. And, uh, and so, you know, you're, you're young, you're in high school, you're struggling to make friends. And I really fell into the trap of people pleasing because I had a need to be liked. I, I didn't, I wasn't strong in my identity like you were, Clay. And, um, and that cost me, you know, because I wanted to hang with the in crowd and I wanted to be accepted. And I slipped up and I compromised a lot of what I knew was right, trying to be something that, that I wasn't. And um, guess what? People pleasing and, and giving up what you know to be true to make someone else happy, that, that still doesn't make people like you. You know, it's probably quite the opposite. And then you yeah. invite a lot of bad stuff into your life. And, uh, but I've changed, and, and God brought me back, and he can bring anybody back. And by the way, when God does that, if you can avoid what I'm talking about, please do so, because uh, when he decides to snatch you up by the collar and tan your hide, it's not pleasant. Uh, God doesn't always, you know, I think we have this idea sometimes that Jesus is a hippie, you know, and it's like peace and love, man. But God has a... Uh, Amen. I mean, if any of you had a daddy like I did, he'll, he'll blister that butt when he needs to to get your attention. Not because he's mean or hateful, but because he loves you. And he's not going to let you keep screwing up. And, and he did that for me. And uh, yeah, I just that was on my heart, Clay. And I wanted to bring out cultural Christianity to people because it may be more prevalent in America than what we realize. Well, and, and to... To give you my thoughts on that, and that's something that's, that weighs on my heart heavily, especially lately with all that we've got going on in the world. Uh, uh, I see, I see a lot of a lot of things being said from people that that I know they know better than that, um, and and I I just see too much. You, you know, there's a lot of hate going on in the world, and, and a lot of it is from Christians. Um, and a lot of it's come from a lot of it's, it's not just Christians it's it's all sides of the, of the earth and my thing with that and my challenge to everyone is to in order for us to get past that and to and once we believe and once we go through what you and I just discussed we have to build that relationship and that's the foundation of once we get in there and, and we and we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we must build a relationship with Him. And that's sitting down. I highly encourage every person that wants that relationship to sit down every day. I do it in the morning 
find you a devotional to get your mind kind of, I mean, download the Bible app. They've got a million different devotionals on there. Stick your nose in the Bible and reflect on the words that you read, get to know the Bible, but then put it down. And like I said, pray and, and don't just say, Lord, I've done this, Lord, I've done that. And, and please forgive me of that and get up, talk to him. He's your buddy. He's your pal. He wants to help you through everything. He is your loving father that he wants to see you do well. He wants to see you get through um, trying to find a new job or, or try and figure out difficulties with kids, whatever it may be. Have that time every day. And, and I tell you one thing that, that helps me. I've, I've had a lot of times. I tell you, that's when I've, I've drawn near to, nearest to God is when things are, are going bad. I've journaled, mm. journaling every, or, and, and I'll be, I'm, I've gotten pretty bad about it lately. I've got to get back on it, but journaling, and in my mind, I was writing to God, um, even though I just got done praying, or sometimes I even journal before I prayed, but have that quiet time and build that relationship with him. And I can't tell you how many times I'll be sitting there. I got a chair. I do it in every morning that I'll sit there. And a smile just come on my face, and and I'll feel a weight lifted off of me, and I I know I know that's God saying. He's either saying, "Look at this, look what I've done here, what you just prayed about, this is going to happen," or saying, "What what are you worried? What are you worried about? Is that going to add a year to your life? Mm. You know." And. If, if you aren't taking the time to sit down and to talk to him every day, you're doing a disservice to yourself. And, and I truly think that that's one thing that a lot of people overlook is they is yes, we, we need to, we need to be at church every Sunday. and We need to try to be as good as we can and, and be good to those around us and, and live a Christian life. But all of that takes a heart that has changed and that heart that has changed is is in our quiet time talking to him and, and reflecting on his words that we can find in the Bible. And and it's never I, too late to make that change, Clay. It's never too late to make that change. And never you know, too late. God, you know, we can destroy relationships on earth. I can do something mm-hmm. to you that that it, it'll just wreck our relationship forever. But we can never do that with God. And no. He's the same yesterday, today. And tomorrow, and and please don't make the mistake of comparing God to other people that you deal with here on earth because His ways, the Bible says, are not our ways and His ways are different. His ways are higher and they're better. And He is exactly the same for eternity. And He's always there and He's always ready. And we can't outrun Him. We can't outsin Him. We can't, you know, we're never so far gone that He wouldn't accept us back. And, and that's I, that's what I think you've got to create that quiet time and you've got to be aware of, of the temptations that you face on a day-to-day basis that are pulling you away from that and remove them. An eye for an eye, hand for a hand. And, uh, and, and truly focus, point your life towards Jesus, point your life towards God and wake up every day knowing what makes you weak and knowing that He is going to get you through that. Mm-hmm. He's going to sharpen you up and make it stronger. And, and when it comes time, when you're given that opportunity, give glory to Him for that, thank Him for that, uh, and bring somebody else into the fold because they will be forever grateful 
uh, for that relationship that you brought into their life. Well, Clay, we appreciate so much your time. Um, appreciate you going through this and sharing some really personal stuff, but definitely things that hopefully can help some people too. And um, it's a big, heavy topic that we talked about, but it's a it's a exciting, powerful. Just it truly is the good news um, what you heard here today. And if any of that was confusing to you, um, I want to invite you to reach out to Clay or to myself. And if you want to have an email conversation or a phone conversation about that, I know either one of us would be happy to continue the conversation. We like talking about this stuff. Sometimes uh, it's it's awkward to find someone or difficult to find someone to talk to about it. But but we'd love to be that and that person for you if you need somebody. And I want to point out a couple of things here before we leave. You know, we've talked a lot about Clay and use Clay as an example of what a strong Christian life can and should look like and that it can be done, especially for you youngsters that are listening. It can be done. It's difficult. It's not easy, but it can be done. Clay's done it. You can do it. But I want to make sure that everybody understands this isn't about Clay. Uh, Clay's a sinner. Jake Scott's a sinner. And only through Jesus being inside of us can we not continue to live like sinners. Uh, we don't have the power to do it on our own, nor do you. And, you know, we want to make sure that, that you come away from this understanding that Clay's not a super Christian. Certainly I'm not. There's no really super Christians, even Billy Graham. We're all the same yeah. in God's eyes. The, they say the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And, and what that means is that we are all sinners in need of that same redemption, including us. So please don't take away from this that, that we are doing anything right. It's, it's Jesus that's doing it right through us. And, uh, and, and all the credit and the glory goes to him, not us. And, um, and no offense, Clay. I, don't, I think you understand no, what I'm no, saying. I, no, I, I, there's, I, and that's what I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, that I'm up on my high horse because I was absolutely honored to be on here and to, and to have this conversation. If one person uh, finds a relationship and, and chooses to accept Jesus Christ because of this, I will be tickled to death, but I don't even need to know that, really and truthfully. I don't need. I, you don't have to reach out to me um, to to tell me that happened. I just I, I I pray and I prayed little literally the five minutes before we got on here. I prayed about this. I know my wife Emily. She prayed about it this morning, um, and we've all been praying about it. And I I hope that these uh, these words opened up to some opportunities for some people to have conversations, whether it be with Jake and I um, or, or whomever it may be in your life that you know um, can help you with that. I, I pray that, that we have some, some people really take a step forward here and just see how awesome it is because it's, it's a fun life once you, once you realize it. It really is. And Clay, thank you so much for opening up about this. You shared your heart. You shared a lot of personal stuff with us. And we are so, so very grateful. As with all the guests we have on the show, I think uh, me and our listeners are better off for spending some time with you and, and hearing uh, your perspective on things and just getting to have a, a good conversation here. Um, bottom line is, folks, we'd leave you with this thought. If nothing else, I want you to ask yourself and, and decide, answer these questions, two things. Is Jesus who he said he was? Answer that question for yourself. And is the Bible true? 
And mm-hmm. the answer has to be Jesus either is who he was, who he said he was, or he isn't, which mm-hmm. would make him a liar, by the way, but decide <laughs> that. And the Bible is either true or it isn't. And just do a little bit of work, just a tiny little work, bit of work. If you want to start reading the Bible, maybe start in the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's a good place to kind of get your feet wet in the Bible yeah. and you'll learn more about Jesus. So go there. Clay, if somebody would like to talk to you, if they'd like to reach out, if they'd like to know more about what you're doing uh, in, your, in your business life, on the forge side of things, on the pasture management side of things, how do they get in touch with you? They can uh, feel free to give me a call uh, or email. My, I kind of confuse you all. My email is, uh, well, I'll give you my, my business one. It's a little easier to remember, but it's david.williams at corteva.com. Uh, and then, but seriously, feel free to give me a call. My number is, is 678-739-8680. And, and then I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I can't remember what my Twitter handle is. I have an Instagram account, but I don't have it on my phone. I, that's, that's something I, I feel like we could be better off without in this world. Um, but most social media, you can find me. And I would love... Uh, to hear from from anybody that listened to this uh, and would just like to talk. And I tell you, I'm actually about to start a a new um, study. I actually found out about it this past weekend. My cousin put me on it. It's called BEMA Discipleship. Are you familiar with it, Jake? I'm not. What is that? um, Is that BAMA, did you say? Well, I know you have a hard time spelling over there. Uh, I just heard BAMA. B-E-M-A, and so I actually listened to uh, the first episode this morning, uh, but it is looking at the Bible, going through the Bible uh, with an Eastern perspective. Oh, okay. Uh, and so um, I've, I've heard that it is really eye-opening and, and makes you um, look at the Bible in a whole different way. And so I'm going to start that. Feel free if anybody wants to tell me, hey, let's, let's do it together. I would love uh, love to do that. I know we're a little bit of ways out before this hits the uh, hits the air, so I might be ahead of you. But I would love to to do anything. If anybody has a devotional or anything they want to uh, read with me, I would be absolutely tickled to death with that. That Bema study sounds like something I enjoyed. I may try and, and jump in that with you. Yeah. So that's cool. Okay, Clay. Thanks a lot. So much. Uh, uh, look forward to, to bumping into you at the next Georgia tailgate, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I want to leave you with. Is Oh, no, not is go dogs. We've also got to do a little go dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and a roll tide to you, sir. All right, the rivalry continues. We hope that we get to have a season this fall. Maybe we'll see. Everybody be praying. <laughs> Everybody be praying. <laughs> that's really what all this was about. <laughs> All right, that's so much fun. Thanks again, Clay. We'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it, Jake. Bye-bye.